Section 27 of the Works of Guy de Maupassant, Volume 3 by Guy de Maupassant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista. Caught in the very act. It is certain, Sulpice de Laurier said, that I had absolutely forgotten the date on which I was to allow myself to be taken in the very act with a mistress for the occasion, as neither my wife nor I had any serious nor plausible reason for a divorce, not even the simplest incompatibility of temper, and as there is always a risk of not softening the heart of even the most indulgent judge when he is told that the parties have agreed to drag their load separately, each for themselves, that they are too frisky, too fond of pleasure and of wandering about from place to place to continue the conjugal experiment, we between us got up the ingenious stage arrangement of a serious wrong. This was funnier than all the rest, and under any other circumstances it would have been repugnant to me to mix up our servants in the affair like so many others do, or to distress that pretty little fair and delicate Parisian woman, even though it were only in appearance and to pass as a common ganarel with the manners of a carter in the eyes of some scoundrel of a footman or of some lady's maid and so when maitre le chevrier that kind lawyer who certainly knows more female secrets than the most fashionable confessor gave a startled exclamation on seeing me still in my dressing-gown and slowly smoking a cigar like an idler who has no engagements down on his tablets and who is quietly waiting for the usual time for dressing and going to dine at his club, he exclaimed, Have you forgotten that this is the day at the Hotel des Bades between five and six o'clock? In an hour, Madame de Laurier will be at the office of the police commissary in the Rue de Provence with her uncle and Maitre Cantenac. An hour? I only had an hour. Sixty short minutes to dress in to take a room, find a woman, and persuade her to go with me immediately, and to excite her feelings so that this extravagant adventure might not appear too equivocal to the commissary of police. One hour in which to carry out such a program was enough to make a man lose his head, and there were no possible means of putting off that obligatory entertainment, to let Madame de Laurier know in time, and to gain a few minutes more. Have you found a woman, at any rate? Maitre de Chavrier continued anxiously. No, my dear sir. I immediately began to think of the whole string of my dear female friends. Should I choose Leline Ablette, who could refuse me nothing? Blanche Rebus, who was the best comrade a man ever had? Or Lalie Spring, that luxurious creature who was constantly in search of something new? neither one nor the other of them, for it was ninety-nine chances to one that all these confounded girls were in the Bois de Bologne, or at their dressmakers. Bah! Just pick up the first girl you meet on the pavement. And before the hour was up, I was bolting the door of a room which looked out onto the boulevard. The woman whom I had picked up as she was walking past the cafés from the vaudeville to Tortoni's, was twenty at the most. She had an impudent snub nose, as if it had been turned up in fun by a fillip, large eyes with deep rims round them, 
her lips were too red and she had the slow indolent walk of a girl who goes in for debauchery too freely and who began too soon but she was pretty and her linen was very clean and neat and she was evidently used to chance love-making and had a way of undressing herself in two or three rapid movements of throwing her toggery to the right and left until she was extremely lightly clad and of throwing herself onto the bed which astonished me as a sight that was well worth seeing she did not talk much though she began by saying pay up at once old man you don't look like a fellow who would bilk a girl but it puts me into better trim when i have been paid i gave her two napoleons and she eyed me with gratitude and respect at the same time but also with that uneasy look of a girl who asks herself what does this tool expect for it the whole affair began to amuse me and i must confess that i was rather taken with her for she had a beautiful figure and complexion and i was hoping that the commissary would not come directly when there was a loud rapping at the door she sat up with a start and grew so pale that one would have said she was about to faint what a set of pigs to come and interrupt people like this she muttered between her teeth while i affected the most complete calm somebody who has made a mistake in the room my dear i said but this noise increased and suddenly i heard a man's voice saying clearly and authoritatively open the door in the name of the law on hearing that one would have thought that she had received a shock from an electric battery by the nimble manner in which she jumped out of bed and quickly putting on her stays and her dress anyhow she endeavored to discover a way out in every corner of the room like a wild beast trying to escape from its cage i thought that she was going to throw herself out of the window so i seized hold of her to prevent her the unfortunate creature acted like a madwoman and when she felt my arm round her waist she cried in a hoarse voice i see it you have sold me you thought that i should expose myself oh you filthy brutes you filthy brutes and suddenly passing from abuse to entreaties pale and with chattering teeth she threw herself at my feet and said in a low voice listen to me my dear you don't look a bad sort of fellow and you would not like them to lock me up i have a kid and the old woman to keep hide me behind the bed do and please don't give me up i will make it up to you and you shall have no cause for grumbling at that moment however the lock which they had unscrewed fell onto the floor with a metallic sound and madame de laurier and the police commissary wearing his tricolored scarf appeared in the door while behind them the heads of the uncle and of the lawyer could be seen indistinctly in the background the girl had uttered a cry of terror and going up to the commissary she said panting i swear to you that i am not guilty that i was not i will tell you everything if you will promise me not to tell them that i split for they would pay me out the commissary who was surprised but who guessed that there was something which was not quite clear behind all this forgot to draw up his report and so the lawyer went up to him and said well monsieur what are we waiting for but he paid no attention to anything but the woman and looking at her sharply and suspiciously through his gold-rimmed spectacles 
he said to her in a hard voice your names and surnames juliet randall or as i am generally called jujute pipehead so you will swear you were not she interrupted him eagerly i swear it monsieur i know that my little man had nothing to do with it either he was only keeping a lookout while the others colored the swag i will swear that i can account for every moment of my time that night roquin was drunk and told me everything they got five thousand francs from daddy zacharias and of course roquin had his share but he did not work with his partners it was mignon menil mouche whom they called drink without thirst who held the gardener's hands and who bled him with a blow from his knife the commissary let her run on and when she had finished he questioned me as if i had belonged to jujute's band your name christian name and profession marquise sulpice de laurier living on my own private income at twenty-four rue de galilee de laurier oh very well excuse me monsieur but at madame de laurier's request i declare formally before these gentlemen who will be able to give evidence that the girl juliette randall whom they call jujute de pipe is your mistress you are at liberty to go monsieur le marquis and you girl randall answer my questions thus by the most extraordinary chance our divorce suit created a sensation which i had certainly never foreseen i was obliged to appear in the assise court as a witness in the celebrated case of those burglars when three of them were condemned to death and to undergo the questioning of the idiotic presiding judge who tried by all means in his power to make me acknowledge that i was jujute de pipe's regular lover and in consequence ever since then i have passed as an ardent seeker after novel sensations and a man who wallows in the lowest depths of the parisian dunghill i cannot say that this unjust reputation has brought me any pleasant love affairs women are so perverse so absurd and so curious End of section 27. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.